take your outline, and uh, we're um, talking about the Holy Spirit, and uh, good to see those of you come in. And uh, tonight in our study, this is uh, really the third week in our, in our study, and we're just really going, uh, I wouldn't say we're trying to go at ne- unnecessarily slow, but this is, uh, there's a lot of moving components when we get into talking about the Holy Spirit, and obviously when we think about the Spirit, we oftentimes jump and start thinking just about spiritual gifts and uh, all those things, but there's so much foundation concerning the nature and doctrine of the Holy Spirit, and so when we talk about this, um, this is in the field of what, uh, in, your, in, you, in theology, they call the study of the Holy Spirit, more of it, the technical name is pneumatology, pneuma, and you have this in your outline, pneuma speaks, that's in the Greek, uh, is the word for spirit, it's also the word for breath in the Hebrew, in the Old Testament, the ruach, you can't say ruach in the Hebrew without causing you to breathe, breath, you know, air. And that's a picture of the Spirit. So pneuma, pneuma, uh, pneumatology uh, is the study. Logos is the teaching about. So we talk about pneumatology. Uh, we talk about theology the proper. That's the study of God. Theo, theology, even though sometimes we use theology in a general sense. But uh, theology is the study of God proper. Soteriology uh, is the doctrine of salvation. Again, don't worry about writing these down. Harmadiology. Harmadiology is the study of the doctrine of sin, just so you see how these fit in. Eschatology is what? End times, the study of end times. Christology, here you go. It's the study of Christ, right? And here's one that'll be easy. Bibliology, the study of the Bible, Scripture. And so harmadiology, or I'm sorry, pneumatology, is the study of the Holy Spirit. And again, some of this may be um, just, again, a few things that we've said in the past, but we want to move a little quicker tonight and get into some of the core teaching tonight. But we talk about the work of the Holy Spirit. I like what uh, Wayne Grudem uh, says when he talks about the work of the Holy Spirit. And we talk about the work of the Holy Spirit today. The work of the Holy Spirit is to manifest or make known, okay, what is the role of the Holy Spirit today? What is the work of the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit, uh, the work of the Holy Spirit is to manifest, make known the active presence of God. We believe in an active presence of God. We believe that um, God is real. He's alive and he's acting and moving uh, in his creation and his universe. And the agent that applies these things and makes these things known today is the Holy Spirit. So those are just kind of premises that we, we make when we begin uh, this study. You know, in the Old Testament, there were various ways that God revealed himself. Can you think of some of the ways in the Old Testament that God made himself known or made his voice known? What are just quickly, what are some ways? Fire, clouds, sent different things. The cloud that followed, uh, you know, the Israelites. What else? Burning bush, manifestations. What else? Prophets. Okay. I mean, God, yeah, God literally spoke on the mountain to Moses. Um, I already said it. Prophets. What else? Huh? Flood. I mean, again, but those are all images and pictures. But, but more specifically, what were ways that God spoke? What did he give uh, Moses at Mount Sinai? Of what? 
law, the word, okay? The word that was, again, at that point was God's um, will and, and code, if you will, for their life. So point is, is that God spoke, in fact, remember in um, Hebrews chapter 1, and I'm going to paraphrase it, it says, in times past in various sundry ways, I think the King James says, God spoke through the prophets and, and, and the various ways, but in these final days, he said, Hebrews chapter 1, I think verse 2 and 3, that in these final days he has spoken to us by his Son. So that, that's a great verse, Hebrews 1, uh, verses uh, 1 through 3, because it shows the progression of how God made himself known, how God made himself known, how God made his will known, how he made his uh, word known, etc., etc. But today... Um, and of course, we know that uh, certainly the Word became flesh. But in Hebrews, or rather Acts chapter 1, when Jesus ascended, remember he was with his disciples for a period of time after the resurrection, and then he ascended, uh, and they watched him as he ascended, and the angels said, uh, You know, men, why are you looking up in the sky? Do you not know that in the same manner? Uh, this same man, uh, this same Jesus, rather, who you saw uh, ascend, will in like manner come in the same way, physically, bodily. In other words, he's not going to be some uh, guy born off in the mountains of India or Korea. No, the same Jesus, this same Jesus that had holes in his hands and feet, this same Jesus that you saw go up one day, this same Jesus will return. But when Jesus ascended or right before he ascended, remember he told his disciples to uh, that, uh, of course, at the end of the Gospels, he says, go into all the world and do what? Preach the Gospel. But then he also said, well, hold on, guys, before you do that, wait for the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit will give you or endue you with what? Power to do what you can't, you can't do that assignment without the power of the Spirit. So we know they waited, and after Jesus ascended, the Holy Spirit, Acts chapter 2, uh, fell upon them praying in the upper room, 120. By the way, you ever thought about the fact that Mary, was in, the Bible says she was in the upper room, and do you realize that she was filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke in other languages? If She was part of that 120? You ever thought about that? That's free. Um, so that just reminds you she was not born with the Holy Spirit, okay? She had to receive the Holy Spirit. She received the gift of the Spirit just like the other 119 folks in that upper room, all right? Um, so the work or the uh, person or the one that is uh, prominent now as far as the triune Godhead is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the presence of Jesus right now among us. Um, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we're not going to get in talking about the Trinity. We know that the picture of Jesus seated at the right hand of the Father, but the work of the Godhead that is active today, that is, again, manifesting, going back to that definition, that the, is manifesting the active presence of God, the active will of God that is working in God's people. Um, consequently, in God's church and moving the will of God forward in the kingdom of God is the Holy Spirit. So that's why 
a study like this is really uh, important because the Holy Spirit is the agent of the Godhead, the person of the Godhead, if you will, who is right now among us, in us, with us, and that is actively moving uh, the will of the Father and the Son forward upon the earth. Uh, just a reminder in John 14, uh, and some of these scriptures will be repeated. They're just kind of reminders. Remember Jesus said, um, I will ask. Remember, he, first of all, he said, it's better that I leave you because I, if I don't leave, I can't send the Holy Spirit. Uh, in essence, what we've talked about last week and other times, you've had me with you. You've had me around you, but now when I leave, the Holy Spirit will come and be what? In you. Big difference. So he said, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. Uh, we know, again, that's the word in the Greek, paraclete, not parakeet, paraclete. Uh, paraclete means one who comes alongside. I don't know about you, but I need the helper. I need the helper 24-7. I need the Holy Spirit 24-7. I need the helper because where I get into trouble is when I begin to think that I can kind of do this Christian life, will of God, in my own efforts and my own strength. I need the helper. Not just, you know, the Great Commission. I need the helper every day. Decisions, uh, actions, uh, taming me from sinful impulses. I need the helper. Okay, And he said, I will give you another helper. And again, I said this last week, another helper doesn't mean another of a different kind, but in the Greek it means another of the same kind, meaning that uh, he's, and we'll talk about this in a little bit, but again, it's kind of a subtle reference to the deity of the Holy Spirit, okay? So he's going to be another helper. He's going to be one who is going to be like in the sense of his essence as God, like me. In other words, if so, I give the example that if I was uh, waiting on a taxi and the taxi called me, or the Uber now, I should say Uber, it's Uber, uh, called and said, oh, I got a flat tire, uh, we're sending another Uber, I'm not waiting on a donkey. I'm not waiting, you know, on a, on a horse and carriage. I'm waiting on another of the same kind. So when Jesus said that, he wasn't saying there's a lesser entity, there's a lesser force, if you will, there's a lesser, there's a, there's a spirit, but with a little s, you know, that's, no, another helper, just a little subtlety there in the Greek language, to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, and he who dwells with you will be what? In you, all right? Um, I like quotes, sometimes I'll, I'll put in quotes just for... Because I like them, and sometimes they're pithy, and they say little mini-sermons. But A.W. Tozer, one of my favorite writers, um, and again, some of this is already in your outline. I like what he says. He said, if the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we do would go on, and no one would know the difference. Do you think that's true? Now, I hope he's not talking about that at Grace Church, but I think, again, he's making a general statement. And A.W. Tozer died, I think, in the 70s. So, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's an old quote. Uh, what does he mean by that? What do you think the implication of what he means? Yeah, yeah. We just do it routine. We just do it by rote. Some people like going to church like that, where everything is always the same tradition. And don't get me wrong, 
just because something is orderly does not mean that that's more, less spiritual. Because I've been in settings where they and grew up in a type of tradition where everything was quote-unquote led by the Spirit, but it was just pure chaos most of the time. And there was very little spirit going on this. So don't mistake in thinking because a church has an order of worship or it doesn't have an order. Don't get focused on that kind of stuff because, again, uh, that's not, it's, not, it's not about the methods, but it's, again, are we, regardless of what we have, are we saying, Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place? And the first place the Holy Spirit needs to be welcome when we sing that is to ourselves. Holy Spirit, thou art welcome in me. Because when we come together on Sunday to worship, guess what? We're just a collection of little tabernacles of the Holy Spirit gathering together under a sheep shed, right? And we're bringing our, our, what we've been nurturing, what the Holy Spirit's been doing in our life all week. And that's evidence in the way we worship. Some people are very passive. Some people, and again, I'm not saying, so don't take this as criticism. If you have to sit down for physical reasons, I get it. But just a passivity in Teresa and the worship team, you know, they're out there trying to, come on, come on, come on. And I'm not talking about who raises hands or who's shouting. I'm not talking about that kind of stuff. Because I grew up in a setting where all that was done, and it was, it's, a lot of it was a bunch of nonsense. A lot of it, again, it's not saying you can't be expressive, but just because somebody's expressive and then they turn around and beat their wife or, or run around on their spouse doesn't mean anything. See, God judges the heart. And sometimes, again, we get, we, get, we get focused on people's outward actions. And I'm saying don't get focused on outward actions. That may coincide with the heart, and hopefully it should. But, but one doesn't lead to the other. I've known a lot of people that were faithful churchgoers and leaders. And guess what? They're stealing money from their employer, committing fraud, running around on their spouse. But they've got a good image and look like, you see what I'm saying? But if we were to look at them, we'd say, oh, they're the, they're the greatest example in the world. So don't get focused, again, on the outward. But don't, at the same time, don't minimize the outward. You know, some people, you know, you're just afraid because you didn't raise in a tradition where maybe you're more expressive. Or maybe your personality is not super expressive. And that's okay. Don't, don't you know, don't get, feel like you get locked into something. And I think a lot of that is many, uh, and I think this is true maybe of this church. This church is a real hodgepodge. I mean, there's people here from Pentecostal, Charismatic, Baptist, Presbyterian, non-denominational, whatever, everything in between. And so part of the challenge is, even in doing this study, um, is, is sometimes with some folks, some of us, uh, I don't know if you remember, the, anybody know who Vince Lombardi was? Great football coach, I think, for the uh, Packers. Ugh, can't even say that, Packers. Um, you know, ugh, got a bad taste in my mouth when I said that. No, I'm just kidding. But I remember one time after some disastrous football game, Vince Lombardi met with the team in the locker room on Monday morning and held up a football, and he said, Gentlemen, this is a football. The point he was saying is like, we're going back to kindergarten because of that performance on Sunday. And, you know, sometimes as a church, we need to say, this is who God is. This is who G. I I mean, and it may seem like, oh, I've heard all that. I've done all that. Really? Really? And I think a lot of it is, and again, teaching only can go so far. And that's why we need the helper to apply what? The truth of God. See, if we have one without the other, that's why you have, if you have word without the Spirit, 
to apply because the Spirit, as we'll see in a minute, the Spirit is behind the Word. The Spirit is the one that inspires the Word. So we need, we need both, right? But at the same time, we need to also be cultivating actively the Spirit of God in our life instead of like what Bud said, we just kind of take it for granted in some traditions well, you got saved, you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you got saved, and in a way, that churches, that's all you'll ever hear about the Holy Spirit. They're almost afraid to talk about the Holy Spirit. Ooh, we don't mean like those crazies down the road, whatever that means, right? And some of that's, you know, uh, as a pastor, some of that's our fault, our responsibility. Um, you know, in, and I think even as we, as a church, you know, and, and there's only so much you can do on a Sunday morning, but I think also in providing those times an opportunity for you know, the church to come together to pray and seek him corporately together, you know. And so anyway, those are, those are fun things that we'll talk about. But anyway, I thought that quote was good. Let me, um, this will be in two parts, maybe three parts, but again, we're trying to lay a foundation here. And, um, but we want to talk about what every Christian needs to know about the Holy Spirit. And this is more of a kind of a a buckshot, meaning we're gonna we're gonna shoot and and hit a wide tar, you know, a lot of a lot of a lot of uh, you know uh, uh, what's in a what's in a what am I looking for? What's in a buckshot and a shotgun shell? A lot of not BBs, but uh, pellets. Thank you. I, I couldn't couldn't say it. Um, you can see I'm a real arms expert here, um, but it, you know it'll it's meant to spread wide. But again, we just wanna we we can't. Get, we can't get too deep in minutiae and, and keep moving forward. So we're going to just um, lay some foundation. Some of these things I've said in times past, but I want to just kind of do it kind of a little bit more systematic way. So the first thing is the Holy Spirit. Again, this is the football. The Holy Spirit, the Bible teaches, is God. Okay. Now, I won't take time, and that may be a, another time, to talk about the Trinity Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the triunity of God. We all right there? At least a long day. You're allowed. I know what you do. You're allowed. You just take, put your head on Don and just relax, you know? Put your feet up. It's all right. <laughs> um, uh, that <laughs> the Holy Spirit is God, a very God. He's not, he's not a lesser part of the Trinity. And uh, some scriptures there in your outline. I don't have everything on the screen because I give you a pretty uh, detailed outline. But look at Acts 5.4, and I'm going to again just read these off your outline. Uh, for example, uh, this is the encounter, if you know the story about Ananias and Sapphira. That was a couple in the early church. They sold a piece of property and lied to the church about giving all the proceeds to the church. All right? Uh, and... Um, uh, you can read at what happened to them. But notice what Peter says here. He says, while it remained, was it not your... And this is Peter rebuking them. And after it was sold, was it not your own to control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, meaning you haven't lied to us, but you have lied to God. And, uh, and again, you read the fuller, he's, the implication is you've lied to the Holy Spirit. You've lied to God. Um, 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, meaning the Lord Jesus is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So when we speak about the deity of Jesus, that He's God, uh, because He is God, sometimes we don't talk about the deity of the Father, that sounds kind of redundant, 
But it's important to remember that the Holy Spirit is as much God as the Father and Jesus. They're part of that triune Godhead. The Father is not the Spirit. The Spirit is not the Father. They are just as, as uh, distinct personalities, yet one. Uh, examples of the Trinity always are never perfect. They break down. But, but I, I always think of this example, even though it, you, know, you can tear it apart, but like water. You know, water can come in three different uh, forms or substances. One, it can be liquid. What's another way water can be? Ice. And what else? Steam. All right. But are they all water? But they have different functions, but also different manifestations, different forms, if you will. Okay. So again, that, that's just an example um, I can be, well, I don't want to, those examples. I, if I start getting into other examples, I, I tear them up in my mind before I say them. But, uh, but in other words, it's just the triunity of God. The Holy Spirit is equal with the Father and Son in the, His Godhood, okay? Uh, for example, and the scripture is in the baptismal formula, if you will, that is given by Jesus in Matthew 28, uh, verses 19 through 20. Um, you see that in this, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Uh, it puts the Spirit on equal plane, equal par with the Father and the Son in their deity and in their personhood. And so the Holy Spirit in you is God in you. The Holy Spirit is God in you. Think about that. The Holy Spirit is God in you. So I don't find it contradictory or problematic that say, well, we shouldn't worship the Holy Spirit. Well, you, should we worship God? The Holy Spirit can be worshipped. It's equal with God. The Holy Spirit, you can pray to the Holy Spirit. You can sing to the Holy Spirit, all right? The Holy Spirit is God, a very God. Now, sometimes people uh, get the idea from maybe uh, what I... See as a, and others see as a mistranslation of the King James. And it's, uh, again, this is in your outline, John 16, 13. This is the authorized version of the King James there. Um, Jesus says in the King James translation, How be it when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. And here's the phrase, For he will not speak of himself. And so they, uh, but whatsoever he shall hear, he shall speak, and he will show you uh, things to come. So therefore, hey, look, he's not there to receive anything for himself. He's there to point to Jesus. Well, true, but the better translation uh, that I think I have also in your uh, right below that, the um, Christian Standard Bible, the CSB, um, same verse, but I believe uh, they in the New American Standard and most versions get it, I think, the correct um, uh, emphasis, same verse, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will guide you into all truth, uh, for he will not speak on his own. The New American Standard, uh, maybe that's the one I have in your outline, the NASB 95, which is most people consider the New American Standard to be the most uh, accurate word for word to the Greek, so it's the most literal. Uh, same verse says, but when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth, and here's the phrase, for he will not speak on his own initiative. Okay, He will not speak on his own authority. So in other words, the Holy Spirit doesn't freelance. The Holy Spirit is in sync 
with the Father and the Son. It doesn't mean that he's any lesser of God. It just means that the Holy Spirit is working in tandem and unity because of what Jesus said. said, whatever he hears, he will speak, and whatever he discloses, uh, he will disclose what is to come. He will not speak on his own authority, other versions have. So I think it's perfectly, you know, to say, well, we shouldn't, no, listen, do you pray to the Father, our Father who art in heaven? You know, we pray to Jesus, pray to the Holy Spirit. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Holy Spirit, <laughs> inside of me, I, 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 I pray and I, I need you. So there, in other words, there's no rivalry or jealousy in the Godhead. Hey, you're <laughs> getting a little more attention there, Holy Spirit. There's no jealousy or rivalry. They are one, three, but one, all right? And again, in our brains, that's a hard concept for us to get, um, but that's just, again, the implications of what Scripture uh, teaches. But the application, as I went through these, I kind of wanted to at least try to make a little application of a principle here, and the application is that because the Holy Spirit is God, uh, here's... I have the continual presence and access to Almighty God. Think about that. I mean, I don't I think we, I mean, that's, I don't even know if I can really get that. That I have God, a very God, who spoke worlds into existence. Obviously, He's not limited by being in me. That's the, when I say mystery of the Holy Spirit, I mean, that's just that part of the Holy Spirit or doctrine or teaching that's beyond our finite minds. But that's what Jesus said, the Holy Spirit, I will send the Helper and He will be in you. Well, what, that's, what do you mean? The Holy Spirit will be in you. And that was evidence there in Acts 2 on the day of Pentecost. So I, and so because the Holy Spirit is God of every God, He's part of the Godhead, I have, by virtue of His presence inside of me as a believer, I have the continual presence and access. Come boldly, the Bible says, to the throne of God. Come boldly. I have access. And, uh, and the implication of that, look in your Bibles. Hopefully you brought your Bibles. I, don't, I spoil you by printing everything out. But I do want you to... But I thought of this as I was going just kind of over my notes again here right before we met. But look over to James right after Hebrews. James, and you know the scripture, James 1.5. James 1.5. Your version may read a little differently. And, uh, but it says, now, any of you, now, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to him, but let him ask in faith without doubting, and you can read on there. So that means there should never be a moment or time uh, that I don't have some direction in my life. Now, I now if God does the same way in your life as He does in mine, He doesn't tell me everything at once. He, you know, on your GPS, you can a lot of times hit a little button and it will show you the entire route, right? But he doesn't do that. Sometimes he just says, okay, you're going to go up here and take a left. Okay, but what do I do after that? Well, you'll find out when you take a left. Right? That's kind of the way he got it. Why? Because that's faith. That's a dependency. And a lot of times we're like, okay, I'm not doing that anymore. I've already gone two blocks with you, Jesus. And... 
But that's, that's how he guides us, right? That's how he leads us. So if any of you lacks wisdom, wisdom, a lot of times, it isn't so much, so many times, uh, you know, I know Jim does counseling, and other, so many times, I rarely tell people something that, like, I've never heard that before. Wisdom is the application, the right application of knowledge or truth. I need wisdom. I know the mechanics of what to do, but I need wisdom. I need wisdom in the timing. I need wisdom in the right words to say in this. You get it? I need wisdom. I need wisdom from God. James 1.5 says, and again, if you take the other truths, we have the Holy Spirit in us, we can access the full knowledge and tap in. Let me tell you something. That's, that's way better than any AI chatbot, which I'm totally ignorant on. We have God in us. Secondly, the Holy Spirit is a person. Or we sometimes we'll talk about the personality of the Holy Spirit. So let me talk about that a little bit. Uh, John 14, 16, Jesus said, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. Doesn't say it. John 16, 8, And when he... The person, when he has come, he, the person, will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. So never think of the Holy Spirit as a it, as an at, well, the Spirit is an attitude, or the Spirit is, is kind of like an influence. No, the Spirit, and again, we're limited in words that we use, is a person. We talk about the person of the Father, the person of the Son. That's really not speaking necessarily um, well, let me give you an example. Um, when um, what makes a what makes someone a person? Uh, you've gone to funerals. You've had loved ones that have died, and when you maybe look at their body, they're in the casket, which is rare these days. Ever, I, I I can't remember the last time I had a funeral with a with an actual body. It's a rarity, but when you do look at that body, I think the believer clearly understands that that is not, not them. I mean, we look at that body, but we'll say, but for example, when I was in Virginia last week, uh, we, with my aunt, we went to the cemetery where my uncle, her husband, and my mother's also buried near there. I've been to Virginia Beach multiple times, and I, it's probably been years that I went to the graveside. And again, I'm not faulting anybody, so don't in any way take this Christmas. I'm just, for me, most of the time I forget to even go there. That's no sacrilege over my mother or anything, but okay, I'm looking at a headstone. My grandparents are in a mausoleum, and I said, do you want to go? Like, no, okay, well, they're, they're still there, all right. The resurrection... Because what am I saying? That's not where they're at. That's not them as a person. The body, this flesh, right now as I'm talking, my quirky personality, my corny jokes, all those things, that is animated by this flesh. But me as a person, when I draw my last breath, me as a person will be in the presence of the Lord in this earth suit body, guess what? Dust to dust, ashes to ashes. It will go back to the dirt that it was created from. 
because that is not me. So what makes a person? It's their personality, it's their ways, it's their characteristics, it's their intellect, it's their will. So when we talk about the person or the personality of the Holy Spirit, we're not talking about the, the, a physical body. Now, Jesus had a body. He was God in flesh, right? But the Holy Spirit has a will, has emotions. It has characteristics. It has personality uh, expressions. And we'll talk about those, uh, some of those in the coming week. So when, think about this, when Jesus said in the scripture we read earlier in John 16, 7, that he said he will send the comforter, the helper, comforter is used instead of helper in some translations, in John 16, 7, or actually in John 16, 7, that's where he says, it's to your advantage that I go away, because if I don't go away, the helper will not come to you. He says that this one that is coming is going to take my place. Well, Jesus is a person, a impersonal force doesn't take the place of Jesus. You with me? It has to be a person. An impersonal force could never, and I have this in your outline, an impersonal force could never provide comfort as Jesus did. The Holy Spirit must be personal in order to fulfill this most personal Ministry. So when we talk about the Holy Spirit as a person, and we talk about the personality of the Holy Spirit, we'll talk about this in weeks ahead. For example, as we read in Acts 5, the Holy Spirit can be lied to. An impersonal force. You can lie all day. I mean, what, you know, the wind, you can lie to the wind. It's not a person, it's wind. So the Holy Spirit, you only can lie to a personality. Are you with me? So that's why, again, we're, we're not talking about a, a, the force be with you, all right? No. I mean, the Holy Spirit definitely has power, but it's not a force. It's not just a, or not in any way a force. Um, scripture uh, in Hebrews 3 that I have there, uh, the Holy Spirit himself spoke of ancient Israel as not knowing God's ways, uh, Bob, you talk about, again, the familiarity and Bud about over-familiarity, presumption. I think this applies. Look at Hebrews 3, 7 through 10. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion in the day of trial in the wilderness. He's talking about those Old Testament people that rebelled for 40 years Never saw the promised land except a handful of them, Caleb and Joshua and a few others. Verse 9, where your fathers tested me and tried me and saw my works for 40 years. They saw, I mean, think about what they saw. The miracles, manna, Red Sea. I mean, they saw, therefore, the Lord says, verse 10, I was angry with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. And here it is. And they have not known my ways. Do you realize God has ways that he operates? He says, they did not know my ways. If you're married, you better know the ways of your spouse. You do that by how? Being around them, spending time, observing. You know, you 
Just observe their ways, their habits, their quirks. Speaking of Sherry, you know, just saying. No, I'm kidding. My quirks. But you observe their ways, how they like certain things. How they like things clean. How they like things put up. Right? That's their ways. And so, Scripture says... The problem was, the reason they rebelled, the reason they never entered into the promises that I had for them, even though they were experiencing me for 40 years, they still did not know my ways. What does that tell you? What does that tell you? You can be exposed to a lot of truth, Bible teaching, for years, and be a stranger to the ways of God. That's a that's a and and never receive and never be entering into. I heard it then. <laughs> uh, you can never enter into the fullness of God because you've never, for whatever reason, only a few of them understood the ways of God. He, they didn't know the ways of God. I have a quote there. Understanding the doctrine of the personality of the Holy Spirit is of the highest importance because if we think of the Holy Spirit only as an impersonal power or influence, I thought this was perceptive, we will be constantly thinking about how to get a hold of and use Him. But if we acknowledge the Holy Spirit as a divine person... We will be constantly thinking about how he can get a hold of and use us. So the application is that because the Holy Spirit is a person, and you may have a different application, these are just thoughts, that I can have a personal friendship with God. And I, you know, some people are like, oh, that doesn't sound real theological. I did it intentionally not to sound theological. I was just... That's what it is. That if I have an intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit, God, a very God, and I'm learning His ways, I, Moses was called a what? He was called a friend of God. I think Moses understood the ways of God. Just because you understand the ways of God doesn't mean you're never going to make mistakes or sin. But I think Moses, he was called a friend of God. That's even after the Lord punished him uh, because of, in his anger, he struck the rock. And, and so because the Holy Spirit is a person, that means that when I pray, I'm not just praying in this perfunctory religious language. I'm, I'm speaking to a person. You know, the Jews in Jesus' day they were blown away by that concept. And it was Jesus who said, <laughs> called and wanted them to learn that they could talk to God, a very God, and call him Abba, Father. Which is a very intimate, not exactly like Daddy, but that's kind of the closest English. Right? That you, It just blew their minds because God was just way out there and dare you show any disrespect by your cavalier, casual, relational. And Jesus said, you can call him 
You can call him Papa. Abba, Daddy. You remember when Jesus was praying and the disciples overheard Jesus, which I think because he prayed out loud? It's the only way they could hear. And they said, we want to learn to pray like that. And the first phrase, stanza of, we call it the Lord's Prayer. It's really the disciples' prayer. Our, what? Our Father. You know, to an Orthodox Jew, that was almost blasphemous. To dare to presume, you know, in the sense of a personal. He's Israel's father, but to call him my father? I mean, you get the idea. So I can... When I pray, if I begin, going back to what you were saying, if I begin to look at how when I spend time with the Spirit in the Word and the presence of the Spirit in my, in my time, and I'm actually believing that I have a person, the person of God that I can talk to and speak to, and that is going to show me and give me wisdom and give me truth that is going to illuminate uh, Scripture to be an applicable word into my life, if I really believe that there is an active partner, if you will, that God has given me to what? Be my helper, to be one who comes alongside, to not just be, but is going to be in me. If I begin to understand what prayer is, just like some of you have friends and people that once you get on the phone, you can just, time just kind of goes by. Because you just have such a relationship. After about three minutes when we pray, we just kind of run out of all the little formatted stuff and outlines. And we're just, I don't know what else to do. Because we don't understand the Holy Spirit as a friend, as a, as a partner, as a person, a personality. You with me? And the, uh, number three, number three, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. In John 14, 17, Jesus said the spirit of truth, called him the spirit of truth. Uh, John 16, 13, however, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. And again, there's the scripture, he will not speak on his own authority. The New King James has it corrected so it doesn't. It, 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 it speaks of what the Holy Spirit does, that he doesn't speak on his own authority. We looked at that earlier. So if Jesus, is, in John 14, 6, if Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and Jesus said that the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth, again, distinct personalities, but you get the spirit of the Holy Spirit. You're getting the spirit of Jesus. You're getting the very presence of God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You're, you, you know, again, in our, in our way that we understand things, in our Western mind, we, we want to kind of slice and dice it. But we're getting the very presence of God himself. The presence of Jesus living inside of us by the agent of the Holy Spirit. And the good, wonderful thing about the spirit of truth is this. The Holy Spirit, God, will never lie to you. He will never deceive you. Have you ever been deceived? I got deceived by a realtor one time. Mm, cost me. I was young and naive and trusting. Now, I'm old and naive and 
Non-trusting. No, I'm kidding you. No. Uh, yeah, that's a bitter thing. The Holy Spirit will never deceive you. He will never lead you astray. But what? We've got to listen. We've got to pay attention. We've got to be predisposed. Not my will, but thine be done. See, we hear a direction and get a sense of God's... I'm like, oh, well, okay, that's good, but I, I want to refine it. That's where we get into trouble, right? Um, the Holy Spirit's the opposite of the devil. What does the devil do? One translation says when Jesus said when the devil's a liar, he's the father of lies. One translation says that when the devil speaks, um, he, he, lying is his natural language. One of the paraphrases, like the message or something, that he's a, he's a liar. The Holy Spirit will never lead, lead, uh, mislead you. People will, but the Holy Spirit, God the Spirit, will never mislead you. Again, going back to what does he do? He will guide. Um, John 16, 13, when the Spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into some truth. No, all truth. All truth. And again, he doesn't back up the truck and just unload. He's, he's going to do it principle on principle, uh, word upon word. This is why, again, being a person of Scripture, being a person of the Word, you don't divorce those things from the ministry of the Holy Spirit, as we'll see in just a minute. And so the question I always ask, and again, I'm looking to answer it now, but if a person who is born again, filled with the Spirit, and again, I'm just, again, not getting into the other dynamics of the filling and the fullness. I'm just saying, a born-again believer, because you can't be born again without the Holy Spirit, you're born again, you have the Spirit of God living in you, right? The presence of God. Can, well, can that person who is born again, full of the Spirit, or filled with the Spirit, has the Holy Spirit. Um, and the Holy Spirit responsibility is to lead you and guide you into all truth. Can that person remain in a church organization that is clearly teaching error? Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you into all truth. And sometimes by making a stand for truth can be costly. It can be costly. It might cost you friends and family. It might cost you job and career. But if the Holy Spirit is truly designed to lead you into truth, then the only way that that would hinder or stop that isn't the Holy Spirit, it is what? My obedience. So all I'm saying is about the Holy Spirit, if He, and we'll close on this because we're out of time, so save this, we'll pick up uh, number four. But the Holy Spirit, here's the application, is because the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth, I can always discern. Discern means to cut it straight. Divide it straight. I can always cut it straight. The truth, divide between truth and error. I can always discern the truth in people and situations in my life. 
And as we go along and talk about the word of wisdom and those things in weeks ahead, we'll learn that, you know, the Holy Spirit oftentimes, if he hasn't, listen, the Holy Spirit has multiple times, not always, has given me clear impulses. I say impulses of just, hey, don't, don't go there. Don't align yourself with that person, that movement, that group, that organization. Quit reading that book. Put it down. And then I find out, yeah, it's, it's full of the person writing it. It's full. That's the Holy Spirit's job in guiding you in all truth. As humans and sinful people, it will be imperfect, right? And that's where we, again, we want to uh, have a kinder, gentler orthodoxy, whereas some of the loud mouths have turned me off. But at the same time, we need to make sure that the generation that is so confused right now over what a man or a woman is, it's only being exasperated when one of the leading lights in the church comes out with such a confusing message. But again, pray, pray for him, but pray for the, those that uh, certainly are going to be confused. Uh, so, Father, how we need your Holy Spirit. Lead us, guide us into all truth. 